This is the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are pleased to have you join us as we offer up God's Word as the necessary food for His people. The Word of God finds its fullest expression in the person of Jesus Christ. May He be exalted before you today. Now here is our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen. Everyone lives their lives on a series of wagers. We are almost moment by moment betting on some present action to get us to some future outcome. These bets are our faith, and we lay down these bets all the time. Life is a wager, and what you bet and what you bet on is the most important thing. Well, in verses 33, 34, and just that first part of 35 of Hebrews 11, you have a list of some of the accomplishments that are brought about because of individuals' faith. But just prior to that, in verse 32, you have a list of an expanded list of examples of individuals throughout Israel's history who are expressions or exemplars of faith. History is kind of broken up here. You have a list of individuals who are a part of Israel's history prior to the time in which God established the monarchy. And then you have just briefly reference to a list of some names that exist in Israel's history following the time in which there was a monarchy that was established in Israel. So that's kind of the dividing line. And again, these names aren't necessarily given to us in chronological order. They're kind of randomly selected and put out there before us. The vast majority of these names you'll find during the time that we call the time of the judges. And we'll be referring to each one of these examples here in just a moment. Actually, I think whoever the author had chosen from Bible history as our example in this passage, and he could have selected other names and other individuals. There are other people where we have their stories accounted for us during the same period of time. Whoever he would have picked and chosen as examples of faith, you would find that all of them had the same commonalities about them. They all had the same things in common. And it's what they hold in common that is uniquely instructive for us in helping us understand and encouraging us in the life of faith. And what I want to do this morning is I just want to go and look at these various examples of these individuals that are given for us by the author of Hebrews. Before we do that, I want us first to just consider some things that we've already talked about, about what faith is. I want to start by giving you a definition that I gave you when we first started in Hebrews chapter 11. But let me give you a very simple definition of what faith is. Faith is believing. Faith is trusting in something or in someone. Uniquely, faith is trusting or believing in something in the present, which is the only way that you can believe. It's got to be in the present moment. It's believing in the presence with regards to some future hope or expectation based upon information that you've retrieved from the past. You take something you've got from the past, in the present you believe and you put your bet down in belief upon something in the future, and that's just faith. Faith is believing in someone or something. It's trusting in someone or something in the present for some future outcome based upon past information. That's what faith is. Now, keep that in mind and let's learn some things very briefly. Let's just consider some things very briefly about this because you've got to have a really practical understanding of what faith is 
in order to appreciate what the author is telling us in these passages. We don't want to have some bloated, mystical idea that's nondescript and we can't handle. The author here is being very practical and laying before us the essence of what faith is. Understanding it this way, what you can surmise from this definition is that faith is not a rare thing at all. In fact, faith is the most common thing of all. In the present, you're always making some kind of bet towards the future based upon some conclusion drawn from the past. You do it all the time. You put your faith in things every single day, actually every single moment. Right now you're putting, we mentioned this before, you're putting faith in the chairs you're sitting in that they're going to hold you up. Somehow you've been able to develop some expectation based upon some brief survey of the manner in which that object has been built and constructed and its seeming sturdiness and the fact that maybe you've seen other people sit in the same chair and survive, that it's going to hold you up when you sit in it and it's going to keep you sustained. That's a bet of faith. You do it in all kinds of things. You bet in appliances. You bet down on people. You bet in your automobiles. All kinds of things that you run a faith wager in, you might say. Expecting yourself in the present for some future outcome, and you do this all the time. In fact, life is nothing but a series of faith-by-faith-by-faith transactions and wagers that you make all through the day. And so the Bible says that we are to live by faith, and actually commending us to live by faith is not asking us to do anything that's abnormal for us, just what we do all the time. It's talking about a unique kind of faith, but it's talking about something that we should be incredibly familiar with. You live by faith. Here's another thing that you can pick up from this definition. It's this. If this is the case, then faith is not necessarily always a virtue or a good thing. Have you ever put your faith in something that proved to be wrong? Have you ever sat on a chair that it was a bad bet? It looked sound and it looked sturdy, but it didn't hold up and you came crashing down. You know, they got these plastic chairs all over the place now that people sit in. I don't trust plastic chairs, you know, that you see around. And particularly, I've learned not to trust them in equatorial countries. I travel a lot in places where it's really, really, really hot, and I've discovered something. They're small-framed people, and they've been built to hold up small-framed people, but a person with a little larger frame given just the right amount of temperature and heat and humidity, sits in one of those chairs, and it seems as though those chairs become pliable. (laughs) And they don't support you. And it's a bad wager of faith to sit in them. Well, your appliances let you down. Your automobiles let you down. People let you down. You put your faith in them. They oftentimes disappoint. They don't always prove to measure up to your expectations. But you know what you'll do? You'll put your faith in something else. You'll move on from there, putting your faith somewhere else. And the reason is because you can't move on from one place you're in to the next place without some faith wager. You got to do it. You got to live by faith. And you'll be disappointed. And then you'll put your faith somewhere else. And that will, at some point in time, run out and disappoint you. And you'll have to put your faith somewhere else. It's just a common thing. And it's not necessarily a good thing because you can put your faith in the wrong thing. Let's put another lesson here, another idea here. Because this is true, and because faith can be also misplaced, it should reason in our minds 
that when it comes to the most important things, the things in which the stakes get higher and higher, not merely a brief fall of a few you know, inches from the seat to the ground, but things even more serious than that, that the higher the stakes are, the greater the risk is in your act of faith, the more important it is that you're relatively certain that you're putting your faith in something that you can rely upon. The more important it is what it is that your object of faith is placed in. So if you're going to go fly in a plane, you should have a reasoned confidence that that plane has the ability to satisfactorily meet all the laws of aerodynamics required to keep it up in the air. That's kind of important. There are other things where you might just take a greater risk, but the more serious it is, the more that's at stake, the more careful, the more thoughtful you should be in the act of faith or the wager of faith that you're making. So when the Bible calls us to faith, what is simply being asked of us in this case, when we speak of biblical faith, is we're being directed to take this most common expression in our lives, faith, and we're being asked to place it in the most supreme object of all. We're being asked to take this most common aspect of our life's faith and to place it in the supreme object of God himself. We're being called upon to trust him and to trust him because of his character and his promises and his presence and his power. We're not being called upon to do something that is foreign to us or odd to us. People say, I just wish I could have faith. I wish I could believe. You can, you do all the time. You're wishing for something that's very common in your life. What God is asking you to do is actually to put your faith in the one thing that all of the world rests and hinges upon. The one thing that sustains all of creation, God himself. They're a creator of all things. You're being asked to do and to follow a pattern that you've done your whole life, but now to lay it finally and completely and totally at the feet of the one who is the supreme God. Supreme faith is a faith in the supreme God. Here's another thing that you can pick from this. When you read the Bible and it commends to us the faith of certain individuals, it is not commending to us the individuals. It's commending to us instead the object of their faith, God. When you read these stories of these men of faith, the primary point of it is not to point at the person and say, you need to be like this guy, a believing guy like this person was. No, it's saying that you're to put your faith, it's commending to us the one or the object where they laid their faith. The individual's faith is not great because of the volume of their faith. It's not great because of the purity of their faith. It's great because of the object of their faith. So God's word commends to us Abraham as an example, as a man of faith. But it doesn't say, look at Abraham's life. He's great because he was a person who had faith and he was a man who believed. And now you just have to have faith yourself. You've just got to be a believing person yourself and you'll be great. That's not what it says. No, what it says is, you read it in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. It was the object of Abraham's faith that 
makes Abraham later on be called the father of all the faithful. Well, the faithful what? The faithful ones who put their faith in the same object, God. It's not a matter that you believe. It doesn't matter that you believe. It, it matters what you believe. That's the point. So Jesus put it this way. You believe in God. That's good. Believe also in me. And he's giving us himself as the supreme object of faith. This all-importance of faith, only because of its object, helps us understand a verse like John 3.16. Take your Bibles there for a moment. Most of you will say, I don't need to. I memorized it when I was in my crib when I was little. But turn there anyhow, please. Humor me. John 3.16. And here you see the importance of faith because of its object. Not that you believe. Not that you have high expectations, not that you're a positive thinker, not that you've got a peptic attitude about life. That's not it. It's what you believe, not that you believe. John 3, 16. And actually, let me read a little bit further beyond that. You can follow along with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him, see it's the object, whoever believes in Him is not condemned. That's a good bet, you might say. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and I'm glad you joined us today to share with the Bread of Life Fellowship Church food that's offered up on our table every Sunday. To learn more about us, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Remember, faith is not a rare thing. It is a most common thing, and the reasonableness of your faith is not based in that you believe, but on what you believe. Jesus said, believe in me. Until the next time, God bless you.